Hey, good morning. Whether you're here in the room or online, I just uh, welcome you here and introduce myself. If you're new, I'm Charlie, uh, the lead pastor here. Really glad that you're all worshiping with us. Go Hogs! Um, you know, people are like, man, why aren't, why aren't you wearing a hog shirt today? He's like, man, eventually your team is just so good. A win is just like, man, we act like we've been here before, which we have. So just a good old red shirt today. So, um, so we're in the middle of a, a series on money, and specifically we've been talking about the... Um, the anxiety around money and, and how to overcome it. And um, this is the third week. We'll finish this up uh, next week. Kind of, it'll be next week, kind of finish with just a little more practical stuff. Um, but one of the things that we've also been doing um, as, as a staff leadership, we've been kind of over the last uh, few weeks, just kind of thinking more deeply about kind of who we are as a church and kind of what our what our values are, what kind of drives us, who it is we're trying to be, just kind of making sure we're all clear on the same page. And one of the things that just kind of keeps coming up is how important it is for us as a church for this to be a safe place to just be broken. Like you come in here with problems, you've got problems, it's okay, it's okay that you have them, it's okay that we know and we are all here together to not stay there, but to help each other get better. But sometimes one of the things is like a church can become an unsafe place where you can't overcome your problems and your ob- the obstacles and the sin in your life because you don't feel like it's a safe place to share them. And so one of the things that we do is like we want to value vulnerability. And, and we, I believe that that kind of starts with me. And so that's why it's important when I'm when I'm teaching, if I'm telling a story or we're talking about something, I always want to try to find some place in which I'm not doing well, you know, so that you know, man, and this thing that we're talking about, man, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I battle this. And, and one of the, the joking ways I say is like, I want to make sure that I'm the villain in my stories and not the hero, right? Like, and I saw some other people <laughs> and they were struggling. I came to him with my pearls of wisdom and, um, and, and bless them with great knowledge, and now they're okay. Did you like that story? Like, we don't, that's not, that's not what we're trying to be. And then every year the money series comes around, and I start to battle this, and this is, like, because I want, because I, because the honest truth that I can say to you, and again, I guess that's another value, we want to be vulnerable, we want to be honest. The honest truth is, my wife and I, we've been married for 26 and a half years now, and money is not a problem for us. And it never really has been. Now, I don't want to overstate that. We have certainly had money troubles. We have certainly had, there have been seasons in our life where we've had less money than what we feel like we need. And I've, I shared this a couple of weeks ago. We started this, especially our time in seminary. When, um, you know, we were, I was a part-time Chick-fil-A manager and we were a family of four and I was a full-time student. It was a very difficult time. And we've had other difficult times. Um, you know, we've, if you've been around here, you've heard me talk about it. We, we, we owned the house we moved out of in Cabot before we moved here. We, we owned that for nine years, nine and a half years. And that was a very troubling financial season for us. And you think... When you start talking about nine years, that's not a season, right? That, that, uh, that is an era, right? Um, and it was, it, was, it was difficult. And there have been times when it, it has been a minor source of conflict for, for Heidi and I. But by and large, I, I say to you, and I, I say this with full honesty, man, 
it's, money's not been an issue for us. And like even in the, like in the, in the, in the era, like we moved here and it's like, well, I mean, we would love to be able to buy a house, but we can't. And so, you know, we, you know, we, we, we moved into this apartment because here's the, here's the thing with us is that we've, we've got a plan and our plan has contingencies. And so, okay, well, we didn't sell this house. We're going to move here. We're going to have to move into this apartment. And so we, we make that decision. And then we got renters into that house. Like, oh, we just still don't feel comfortable yet buying a house. We moved into a rental house. I mean, we make all these decisions. Like, well, we're going to have to hold off on some things because things aren't always. And so we just, we have this plan. And people have asked me this before concerning kind of the way we do our finance. Like, people, people's like, man, you must really seem to love Hyundais. Because there was a while there, I mean, I was driving around this 2006 Hyundai Elantra for a long, a long time. And people would ask me, man, you just love that Hyundai. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be a commercial for or against Hyundais, but ain't nobody driving around 2006 Hyundai thinking, man, I'm loving life and living large. No, no one, no one is thinking that. And, and now in my 2013 Hyundai, I am not thinking, well, now I'm living large. This brother's got Bluetooth. But it's still a 2013 Hyundai, right? I, I love it. It's, a, it's, it's an inexpensive car that is, is reliable. And so there's just, there's just certain things that we do to, we have a plan and we're working our plan and our plan has all these contingencies for if bad things happen with this, if this and this. But it, it's not just that. It's not just that we've been through rough times and we have a plan and we pull through. It's not just that. It's not just that we have a plan. Lots of people have plans. We have a plan that we believe is a good plan because it is God's plan. God said, this is what you should do with your finances. This is how you should live your life according to your finances. And a couple of things about that, when, your plan, when God's plan becomes your plan. One, you know it's the best plan because the creator and author of the universe um, typically gives the best advice, right? He knows how the world works infinitely better than we do. But the second piece of that is, is that specifically with finances, he has given very specific, powerful promises about what he will do with you and for you if you follow his plan. And so it's actually a, a fairly simple formula in the sense that I can describe it simply. God has a plan. I follow his plan. He says if I follow his plan, he'll take care of me. He's going to take care of me. I don't have to be worried about it anymore. There are times when it is difficult, it's challenging. There's times when you go, you, you go and you think, I, I, I don't, if, if something, it's like I can't see the number of times I've sat in front over the course of, again, the nine-year era of owning a home three hours from here, where I would sit in front of the, of the computer doing online bills and I would look at my wife and be like, if something doesn't happen the next two to three months, there's going to be a problem. If something doesn't happen the next, I've got, we, we're good for the next six months, but if something doesn't happen the next six months, there's going to be a problem. If something doesn't happen the next 90 days, there's going to be a problem. And you know what always happened in 90 days? Something. Something always happened. Because God has made a promise 
And we are following his promise. And this promise is found in Matthew chapter 6. And we've been looking at this over the last few weeks. And it started two weeks ago. And it started, we kind of started in the middle of this passage um, with this kind of this, 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 this command, this kind of encouragement, this exhortation that, that Jesus is giving to people in Matthew 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So two weeks ago, we talked about this. Jesus is telling us people, man, don't worry. Don't worry about all that stuff, about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to Don't worry about it. He uses this illustration. He's like, man, God loves birds and he takes care of birds. He loves the flowers. He takes care of flowers. He loves you infinitely more than flowers and birds. And so he's going to infinitely take care of you more than he does flowers and birds. So stop worrying about it. And the thing that we noticed, or we talked about two weeks ago, is that it's kind of an easy thing to say. Hey, man, you should not worry about it. God's got it. That, that's easy to say. It's difficult to apply. But in here, in, in, in this verse, it starts with, therefore I tell you. So this is a conclusion that he is making based on something he said earlier. And last week, Mark talked about that earlier thing, verse 19 to 21 of Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So basically what he's saying is like, man, stop focusing all of your heart and your attention and your energy and your eyes on the accumulation of stuff here. The accumulation of stuff here, it really doesn't make sense to put your focus and attention there because ultimately whatever it is you build will evaporate. Whatever it is you invest in, it will be gone. And, and there's something about that that even if we're not thinking about it, we're, we're kind of, I think, subconsciously aware of it. That's why the acquisition of stuff and building things here, it doesn't satisfy because no matter how much, it's all temporary and you know it. And so I was like, well, I think if I just, if I have more, if I do more, if I build more, if I accumulate more treasures, eventually this will satisfy and it just doesn't, it just won't. And you say, Jesus, you gotta, you gotta stop. Stop focusing on these treasures and look up because there are treasures that you can make for yourself. You can acquire for yourself the types of treasures that will not be destroyed, treasures in heaven that you will be able to enjoy the benefits of forever. So stop looking here, start looking here, and the less focus you have on all this stuff, like, oh man, I don't have enough, and it's gonna, it's gonna burn away. It's, it's, it's <coughs> the more you think about that, the more anxiety that you're gonna have. The more you think, man, I'm taking what God has given me, and I'm investing it in things that will never fade away, therefore... I don't have to worry about all of this because my heart and attention is up here. The more attention in my heart this thing gets, the more anxious I feel. The more attention this gets, the less anxious I feel. 
But he continues on past verse 25, the, the verse we looked at a couple of weeks ago. And he's going to repeat that promise again or that, that command again about not worrying. And he's going to give us another reason, another thing to kind of help us in this. And this is where this powerful promise that God makes for us in our finances, this is it's where it is. And so we're going to look, keep going down to verse 31 of Matthew chapter 6. Again, this first verse is going to sound very familiar. So... Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Here's our key verse, our key promise here. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm read verse 33 again, this, this promise. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So he makes this promise. Listen. You don't have to worry about money. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. You don't have to worry about any of those things. You don't worry about them at all. Because if you will seek first God's kingdom, his righteousness, then all those things that you're worried about will be added to you. You focus on this. This is the promise. If you will do this, if you will seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, then all these things that you are so worried about, God will take care of. So to really make, try to make sense of this, we kind of three things. Like there's the part that we need to do. What does that mean? What is God really promising here? And then how does that lead to us being able to no longer have to have this overwhelming anxiety about money and stuff? So we'll just take it piece by piece. First with the part, with God, what says that we need to do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Too often phrases like that, we read them in the Bible, we hear somebody read them and we just kind of go, oh, generically good Bible Jesus stuff. And, and, or we look at it and be like, I don't know what that, I just don't know what that means and so I move on. But there's actually something very significant there. So, and, and, and the way that we'll kind of explain it, we'll say it this way. That we need to make God's priorities and values your top priorities and values. So you need to take God's priorities, God's values, make them your top priorities and your values. The idea being there that God has a list. And these are the things that are tops on God's list of to-do list. These are, these are the top priorities. These are the things that most need to happen. And he's also got a values list. These are the things that are good. These are things that are bad. These are the right. These are the wrong. He's got these lists. And those lists need to become yours. Because we break these words down. It says, seek first his kingdom. Now, there is a lot of theological depth, especially when Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount and all throughout the Gospels about what the kingdom of God is. And, and, and there's, there's a depth there that where it's like, like it, with, without a doubt, I can say starting next week, we're going to do a 12-week sermon series on what Jesus means by the word kingdom and what God's kingdom is. And it would be like, 12 weeks later, we'd be like, I think we've almost scratched the surface of this. 
So I don't want to undersell this because it is a powerful, deep, rich concept in the teachings of Jesus. But for a simple summary of one, of kind of, of, of what he's talking about here, I want to think about it like this. Well, think about it like this. When it says, seek first his kingdom, you think about his kingdom being, what does God want this world to be? When God looks at this world and says, this part of the world's no good. I wish this world, this thing was better. I wish this were true of the world and it's not. When God looks at the world and thinks, what, do he, what, what, what does he think should be different about the world and what it could be, what it should be? That's what it means to seek his kingdom. He's got an idea about the way the world should be. It's not that. God wants it to be that and he's asking you to help make it that. And so seek that first. Now, it is a dangerous thing to stand up here in front of a group of people here in the room and online and say, um, I'm now about to tell you the things that God says are the most important things in the world. That, that's just, that just feels risky, feels a little dangerous. It's easier for me to, hey, this is what this verse means. Now I'm going to tell you this. It's just risky, like to say that I'm... I, and so I'm, I'm going to say a couple of things. You may be like, well, actually, the, you said two things. I think those are one and three, and you've missed this one. It's number two, and actually, you should have mentioned. Great. God has lots of priorities, and we all have different ideas about them and flavors about them, but I just kind of want to focus on what I think are his two top priorities as he thinks about the way this world should be. And the first one is there are people in this world who, because of their sin, have broken their relationship with God, are out of fellowship with him, do not have a relationship with him, have no hope in this world, and have no hope for the next world. And that breaks the heart of God. And he wants more and more people to be worshipers of him. In fact, he wants, he wants people from all over the world, every race, every language, every type of person you can imagine. God loves diversity. He, and he, he loves all cultures and is thinking, I want as many people, as many different types of people to be a part of, of, of a relationship with me. And it breaks his heart that there are people out there that have not um, invited uh, God into their life through Jesus Christ, that, that Jesus died. He, that, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to die for those people. That's his top priority. He's like, man, I want people to know about that to receive him. And so seeking his kingdom first means like that's God's top priority. That needs to be my top priority. And, and a second thing that I would like to mention is even whether or not someone does or does not have um, a relationship with God, injustice and suffering in the lives of people, his people created in his image breaks his heart. And whether that suffering is, designed, is, is, is a result of bad decisions that person has made or bad decisions other people have made, an unjust system in the world somewhere, it breaks God's heart to see his people suffering injustice, to be suffering hunger. And God is asking us to bring the justice and hope and, and, uh, and joy of God to people. And sometimes that means... Um, giving somebody something to eat. Sometimes that means giving somebody an extra hand, who, helping hand when they need one. 
you see this cover to cover in Scripture. And, and the way that it's said a lot in the Old Testament is that God has a special place in his heart for the widows, the orphans, and the, and the, and the foreigners in the land. Because none of those people had the right to own property. And so by that, then they could not farm for themselves. They could not take care of themselves. They had no means really to provide for themselves. And so the people in this system, in this society that could not take care of themselves, God over and over and over again said, I got a special place in my heart. You better have one too. You repeat something like that in the book of James in the New Testament about how really the, the purest form the purest form of devotion to God is seen in caring for widows and orphans. To love someone who has this special place in God's heart who without extra love and attention from God and his people will suffer. That's how you show great devotion to God. And so, seek first his kingdom. Make those things your top priorities. But then it also says, okay, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And righteousness, again, it's a fancy Bible word, but let's just break it down. Righteousness, shorten it, becomes righteous. Well, I don't know what that means either. Great. Shorten that up. A little further, it's right. Something is right. And I think it's important for us, and I've said this before if you've been around, you can tune it out, but you shouldn't because you probably didn't hear it the first time, that, that there's a difference between something being right and something being good. When we talk about good and bad, we're talking about, oh, that's a little bit good, it's a little bit bad. This person, he's 60% good, 40% bad. Like, we talk about good and bad on a spectrum, good and evil on a spectrum. Bible almost never talks about that. It talks about righteous and unrighteous. It talks about right and wrong. It talks about law-breaking and law-following. Right, righteous, righteousness, this is a, this is a legal term. It has to do with the things that are right. These are the things that God says are the right things. And there are right things and there are wrong things. And he's saying, when you're thinking about your finances, you need to be thinking about, first, I'm going to seek God's priorities. That's what gets my first attention with my money, his priorities, but also his values. His values have to govern the way that I look at my money. What I do with it is that way that I manage it. What God says is right is what I'm going to do with my money. And so what he says here, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. I'm going to make God's priorities and values my top priorities. And he says, and all these things will be given to you as well. So ultimately then, I make God's priorities and values my top, and then I trust God with the rest. I trust God with the rest. God says he'll take care of the rest. Now this verse, Matthew 6, is probably one of the top 10 or so most quotable, memorized verse out there. I'm not gonna embarrass people here by making you raise your hand, but my assumption is, my belief is, even if you've, you don't really know what it means, most people have probably heard this verse before. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Matthew 6.33. They've made songs about it and the songs is just simply just saying those words. You may have heard a song and didn't know it was a Bible verse. But this idea, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you as well. Here's what we do with the top 10 most popular 
memorize verse. We go, oh, that's nice. And we go, and then you place it somewhere. You place it on a little fancy thing on your desk or a cross stitch or a, a poster or your little memory verse card. And it kind of becomes a little, oh, that's a, that's a great thing. And so, and all by itself, what it says is, you do the things God wants you to do and, and God will take care of you. Which I'm not going to argue that. And don't you dare believe that. Right? Don't believe that if you do good, God will take care of you. Don't believe. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that this verse in this passage, it is a money promise. He's talking about money here. So some if you just if you just pull it out of that passage and just set it over here, you can think, well, you know, as long as I'm being a good person, coming to church, getting a small group, I read the Bible, and then God's going to take care of me. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about money. So in fact, this verse is better understood with a little extra parenthetical phrases. But seek first the kingdom of God with your money and his righteousness with your money and all these other things to do with your money will be added to you as well. Because too often what seems to happen is we want to take that verse. Okay, well, I understand, brother, that the second half of that is about money because all these things added to you as well. That means he's going to take care of you. But not the first part. The first part is, all that first part is really saying is, if you will be good, don't cheat on your spouse. You know, as always, I've never killed anybody, right? Don't kill anybody. Don't cheat on your spouse. Come to church at least one out of three Sundays. And, you know, as long as you're trying, trying to be a good person, then God's going to take care of the finances. And what we do with that is, now we think it doesn't really matter what I do with my finances. God's going to take care of my fa- finances as long as I'm generically a good person. No, it says he's going to take care of your finances if you organize your finances around his values and priorities. Because here's the thing that most of us do. I've got my money, and I'm like, first I got to figure out how much I need to live on. So I'm going to spend as much as I need to live on, and hopefully I've got some left for rainy day. Like I need, I need some, I need, I need some money kind of for short term expenses. I mean, car insurance payments coming up. What if the car breaks down? And then, hopefully. If we're doing really well, then I can take some money and save it for longer term stuff. I got to buy a car, I want to buy a house, a kid's education, I want to retire. And then after that, then if I have some money left over, I'm going to try to give it to God and give it to good things. And so I'm working my way this way from what I need for today, small term, short term savings, long term savings, and then God. And so we go this way and what happens, right? This happens to you. You, you start going this way and somewhere along the way you run out. So then the credit card comes out and you make a terrible decision or you just, you just panic, you freeze or the things that matter over here just never get dealt with because we're going this way. And somewhere along the way we get ourselves in a desperate situation and we say, hey, hey God, help me. And God's like, wait, wait, here's the thing that I said, though. 
What I said was, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And then, so what you need to do first is invest your finances in the things that I say are important, in the lives and souls of people and bringing hope and life and justice to people. That's what I said, that's what I said do. That's first. And then you need to manage your money according to my values. What are his values? Don't spend more than you have. Uh, save for the long term. Don't go into unnecessary debt. Do, do that first. He says, you do this and then I'll, 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 I'll take care of this as well. So you come this direction. Oh, wait. God's priorities are my priorities. I'm managing my money according to his values. And God said he would take care of all of this. We're going this way. I'm going to take care of myself. And if what I have left over, I'll start to try to do good. And then somewhere along the way, we think, God, please help me. And like, that's not the deal. The deal is God blesses those of us who go in this direction. People who are going this direction are on their own. And that is, not a, that is not a weakness of God. That is not a thing to blame God about. That is just, that's the nature of the promise. You manage your finances according to the values and priorities that God has stated for you. And he will take care of the rest. And then what? Now we can release anxiety and fear. I don't have to worry about it anymore because this is where all my anxiety is. Am I going to have enough here? My anxiety, if I think about it, which I choose not to, right? My anxiety, I have some anxiety over here. God said he's going to take care of all this. If I just focus over here, God's going to take care of this. There's this anxiety that happens anytime our family travels by plane. It can be just hiding in our eye or the girls can be there. Sometimes my mom or dad are there and Somebody will get really anxious. Maybe you felt this before. You're driving to the airport and somewhere between your house and the airport, like you're past the point of no return, really, you think, I don't think I packed enough socks. Did I, did I get my toothbrush? Did I, did I bring the, did I bring the, we're going to need the, we're going to need the, we're going to need the, and you, and you start to panic. And the driver of the car in our situation, me, is not turning around based on some momentary anxiety that you have about whether or not you did or did not bring the right pair of sunglasses. We're just, we're, we're just not, right? We're, we're going. We've got to get to the airport. But here's the thing that I say. As people are starting to feel anxiety about travel, I say, listen to me. Do you have your ID? Do you have your photo ID? Yes. Great. We're good. We can handle anything else. Any other problem that, is, that, you, that comes up can be handled with money and or time. I can't do anything about the TSA agent. So if you have your photo ID, we're going to be good. So you just focus on that and I will take care of the rest. And that has varying degrees of success at different times. Because sometimes you, you just can't... But what if, but what if, but what if, but what if, but what if I'll take care of it? I will, I'll buy you 10 pairs of sunglasses if you just stop. That's what I'm thinking. That's not a very godly attitude, but that's what I'm thinking, right? Just shush, shush. I'll buy you more socks. Shush. All the toothpaste, case of toothpaste, right? It will be fine. What if we have too many, what if we have too many 
things of liquid and they throw them out. I will buy you some more. It's fine. I'll take care of this. You just make sure you've got your photo ID and we'll be fine. But, but what if I lose my job? What if, what if there's a pandemic? What, what if all of a sudden all my, my car breaks down? What, what if, what if, what if the, we have the, the roof falls in? What if, what if something major happens? What if one of us gets really sick? Yes, all of these things will happen. God's like, I've got it. I've got it. Things are going to happen. I've got it. You just focus on making your finances lived according to my values. But what if, but what if, but what if, I've, I've got it. Yes, all of those things can happen. And there's not one of those things that can happen that God cannot fix, that God will not handle. As long as I am living according to his priorities. That is a bold promise. And it is bold and risky for me to just say it like that. Just do what he's called you to do and he'll take care of you. But 26 years, I stand up here and say, it's just true. It just is. And we have seen some really dark times, but there has never been a time in one of those times where God didn't say, I've got it. And then he got it. But there's something that's keeping us. For most of it's, I don't want to do this with my finances. Some of us struggle with trust, but I'm telling you, the power of this promise is available to you. Seek out his priorities and his values with your money, and he will take care of the rest. My eight-year-old never worries about that on the plane. All she's thinking about is Disney World's on the other end of that plane because she just instinctively knows Dad's got it. Let me pray.